Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, LPN fans, Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser are going on tour. Yes, the last podcast network presents the release the Butthole Cut Tour could be coming to your town. Holden, where are we going? July 11th will be in Oklahoma City, July 12th, Kansas City, Missouri, and finishing out on July 13th, St. Louis. Be there. MJ, where can we get tickets? For tickets, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Say it again. That's lastpodcastnetwork.com. Oh man, I have a major confession to start this show out. Go. I I'm jumping right to the end. But I cried. What? <laughs> I cried. Wow. I cried. I think it was because I just got back from Florida and I was going through all of my high school books that like that I studied in high school and my mom was making like essentially jokes because she was like you know, this one you can't read in Florida schools anymore. You know, Beloved can't read it in Florida schools anymore. Uh-huh. And she started going through all of the, and I was just like, Jesus Christ. And then like, and then the book burning. And I just <laughs> you cried burst about the book in burning? the tears. I cried about the book burning. I was over here going through like, what could you have even cried about? Hermione coming back and telling Veronica that, that they're getting a divorce. Miha is canceled <laughs> and they're getting a divorce. Is no, that what made the, you cry? It was the book burning because it's like too close to home. It was like, is that next? Yeah. Is that where it's going next? Yeah, and yeah. Jeff's just like, are you crying at Riverdale right now. <laughs> I was like, I'm crying about the the greater good, okay? I'm crying about other, like the outside of this. Yeah, no, that's fair. I don't think that Riverdale is trying to be heavy-handed about drawing historical parallels. No, I don't think so either. I think it's just a sad It just happens to be, right, it is a real quinky pink that <laughs> it is, it happens to be that there is a lot of banned book stuff going on right now because the rest of the season hasn't been super heavy-handed about like, there, I mean, and there are some apt historical parallels to describe here. I mean, there's obviously a massive ramped up, uh, you know, attack on same sex love right now. That is that they are really exploring a lot in terms of the 1955 timeline. But they I appreciate that as heavy handed as Riverdale can be sometimes they haven't really been like, wow, this is the past, you know, but it is funny that this episode just turned out to be an allegory about banned books and we are living in hell presently right now in 2023. We really are. And who knew that Riverdale would draw such parallels to our current day? It makes me really sad. In the world where a glamour J egg exists, that is the world that is parallel to like where... 
just like think of all of the insane things that have happened in Riverdale before. And this is close to reality. Yeah. And I, what, what's happening? I don't know when they wrote this season, how recently, it, you know, how much if they wrote it a year out and are just, you know, and it's just coming up now. But it really does. I mean, there is actually a surprising amount of relevance to all of the plot lines that they are like spending time with and focusing on in terms of the 1955 Riverdale timeline. And yeah, it has not felt obnoxiously like the past comes back for us. Although obviously it does. Although, and, and twice in this episode, they did say words have power. They did say words and have power they, so many words times. Words have power. They so said it multiple times. times in this episode. I was like, all right, yes. I hear you, Riverdale. And you're right. You're you right. are right. You are right. It is <laughs> you're right. heavy handed, but it, you are right. But you know what was not heavy handed? Videl Mastro. Videl Mastro. All right, let's, <laughs> talk. let's go Fidel to the beginning Castro. of this episode because who walks it? Like, let's talk about Veronica because you know what? And I'm throwing it out there. This this episode had many like uh, literature, like play performances. Yeah, a lot of monologues Mrs. being a lot performed. of monologues being done. Right. I thought they all did a great job. Agree. I was really proud. I was proud of the entire cast in this episode. I know. Like, Good for you, guys. Man, you guys have learned a thing or two on this show. I, guess. I know. They really gave KJ Appa his little moment to be like, wow. you think this man is just dumb as hell? Well, watch him do the monologue from The Crucible where John Proctor says he's not going to name names. And KJ Appa fucking killed it he did great he did great like jeff and i both like held hands and like open mouth like looked at each other just like <laughs> what is and i'm he happy doing for him great? i'm happy for him too because every he must know that everybody thinks he's dumb and he was like i'm not dumb let me do this monologue i'm really uh, an actor i swear oh my god is kj Appa here? <laughs> oh oh god no it's mj oh my god oh my brain don't hurt my brain like that he's not the only actor in town no, he's not. And we are in the the thrills, in the thralls is the word that I was, <laughs> I got to get this coffee in me. I should be drinking the coffee. I need to have a full coffee before the Riverdale Roundup, mm. not mid-first coffee. Anyway, we are in the thralls of McCarthyism. And yes. if that's what you expected me to say, then... Good on ya. I mean, <laughs> we knew that it, McCarthyism had to come up at some point in this. We knew it was coming because we're in the mid-50s and they've kind of alluded to it before in this season, I think. There's been some mentions of it, but this was our McCarthyism episode. And I gotta say, I loved it. They did a great job. They, and of course, the other, and this all is all related, so let's drop all the big bombs about this episode and then we'll we'll try to connect them all so the big we'll circle back the big exciting thing about this episode of course if you follow riverdale or roberto garrisacasa on instagram or us on instagram um or any of the cast on instagram you probably saw that hiram lodge aka mark consuelos came back oh thank god even just seeing his initials on his uh on his luggage before we even see him, I was just like, yes. Yes. I mean, we knew Hiram Lodge was in this episode, but I was so happy. Yeah, there was a great shot of his beautiful luggage, by the way. Yes. Um, with HL on it. And so we got a little teaser on that. We knew that was happening. And thank God, because as we have been complaining all season of season seven, it's very hard to have a Veronica plot when her entire internal motivation, external 
like all of her internal conflict and external conflict all is has to do with her parents. It always has. And that continues to be true in season seven. But in this season, she has had no parents. And so it's very hard to have this kind of invisible conflict going on because both Hiram and Hermione, the actors were bye-bye. Fair enough, guys. It was a long show. You needed to leave. But thank God. Well, did you notice that the uh, the meta line that Hermione has later on when she's talking about Omiha, she's like, it's been on for seven seasons and I needed <laughs> I, I it to end. <laughs> I didn't notice the seven seasons thing. That's hilarious. <laughs> but they, it, it was perfect. It was, I, first of all, just I'm so glad that they brought them back. This they, And they, both, I didn't know both Hiram and Hermione coming back. We thought it was just Hiram. And so, very exciting that they both came back in this episode. They're both fantastic. But but what was also exciting was it just it wasn't just him coming back to be bad daddy as he always is. They used him as the vehicle to bring in McCarthyism because he had gone to Cuba, Cuba. on a trip <laughs> and, and hung out with Vidal Mastro, which I just could not stop laughing about. I love the Riverdale-isms, but Videl Mastro might be my favorite. Videl Mastro, uh, there's no need. Why can't you just say Videl Gastro if he's not on the show? <laughs> I know. I don't think it's like that controversial to just say Fidel Castro, but I like that we are just at a slight, it's like, it t- It really tells you that Riverdale, whatever dimension they're in, is not the same dimension we're in, you know? It's yes, just, it I is a it. different world. And so, um, Hiram had gone to Cuba with Videl Mastro, and uh, he says that he was just there to get cigars, but he, the FBI, Glenn, by the way, I, Glenn is back. The second <laughs> I saw him in the elevator, yeah. I was like, is that... That's Glenn. Is that SAFBI boy? Yeah, the guy who got what was the what was the stabbing game they played with him? Do you remember? Oh what my god, yes. Pin human pincushion. The human pincushion, yeah. <laughs> so he's he didn't die from human pincushion in that universe, because we are in a different universe, which is the 1955 universe. And in this universe, he's the he's the McCarthy goon out finding all the communists. And so Hiram is suspected of collaborating with communist revolutionaries in Cuba. And McCarthyism has also, in addition to coming for Hiram, it has come for Riverdale because the newsstands all around Riverdale have stopped selling pep comics because of the, uh, it's scandalous and it's anti-American and all this stuff. So the whole theme of this episode for Veronica and for Jughead and for Ethel. everybody, yeah, really for everybody because for, for Archie Cheryl. because Mrs. Thornton gets taken as a commie, yes. and then for Cheryl and and Kevin and, and Clay T-T. and Tony, yep. like it's this is this is an episode. This is like I do wonder, and I'm assuming that this is the culmination of censorship. Yeah, the fact that they ended it with a book burning. Yeah, I feel like this is what it's been leaning up towards, and in fact, I will say, not to throw it out there, that Jeff was felt very proud of himself for talking about it last week about the uh, the comics code yes. and everything and what had. And I was like, this is exactly what you were just talking about. Yes, and I wonder, I'm going to see if I can bring up this Instagram message that I got, but that apparently the comics code, the reason Archie and Archie Comics tie into this comics code stuff <gasps> is that when the comics code things happened, so many comics were censored 
at Archie Comics because it was so like a vanilla were the only comics allowed to be sold like at the, you know, at the checkout. Whoa! Let me, I got to find the actual message about this because I want to make sure that I'm getting it right. But so that, so it's the specific self-aware like thing of the the world of Riverdale was presented as an alternative to like the darker world of comics, which isn't that then cool that the whole premise of Whoa! Riverdale is Riverdale, but dark. It's like the darker version of Archie. I just got ah! chills just saying it, that it's like, what, what are we going to do without it? <laughs> Bring the darkness to Riverdale because Riverdale used to be this fakely not dark comic world. And so let's bring the darkness. Like that's the whole project of Riverdale. And I just love that they're bringing it home this way. It's really nice. God, they're doing a great job. <laughs> Ooh. This is definitely another, like, because remember we talked about last episode was definitely building up to a lot of the things that they're knocking down and they're knocking them down in this episode, which makes it, you know, uh, scary, but at least we know that it was heading towards censorship. So then it's going to be with, it's going to deal with, and also remember Betty too, because this episode starts off with Betty that her mother had taken her typewriter and her phone from her bedroom. So that was already like, okay, inside censorship. And then she goes to school. Right. And the principal tells her, well, oh, sorry, we don't have the funding anymore. So blue and gold is going to just stop. And Betty's like, what do you mean? That's like the school newspaper. It's right. how, we, how we give out information to the school. Yes. And Principal Featherbottom was like, I don't give a shit. There's no money for it. So Betty, in her pissed off mint, goes to the blue and gold room, steals the typewriter from there, and creates her own underground newspaper called the girl mystique yeah right so that's i love so it's this. the teenage mystique which also i'm is, sorry teenage mystique yes w- which is a reference also to the feminine mystique yes um and so right so it's like a newspaper but it's also um right so the feminine mystique was a book by fred uh, betty Friedan, which came out in 1963 um and it was like a foundational feminist text. Um, and right. So she's, she's made, but also, but what she was really doing is making like a zine, you know, which is cool. It's like a DIY self published newsletter that she is sending out. And yeah, Betty actually really took a back seat in this episode. We didn't get much on this, but basically she starts the teenage mystique. And then by the end of the episode for Betty, we see that she has gotten like inundated with letters from, Reader, so it's a huge, huge hit, which is like a, a, a secret teenage feminist zine that she is like self-publishing and self-distributing through Riverdale High in all well everything else, comics and the school newspaper and you know, homosexuality are all being censored. And even like poetry, Archie's interest in poetry is even being censored. It's like, oh, his uncle daddy says like people will get the wrong idea about you, which I assume means gay yes and that's (laughs) and that was such a like mrs thornton who was the teacher that got taken away for possibly being a communist was the one that was fostering archie being a poet right which just started last episode this is a brand new thing he's like oh my god i should be a poet (laughs) so he's decided which we remember this takes me back to the should I be a football player or should I play the guitar from the first? Was that the first season or was that the second season? Uh, that Riverdale? was the first 
season, I think. His first season. Yeah. And so it makes me think of that where he's just like, but I'm a basketball player, but I also like poetry. And Uncle Daddy, yes, made that horrible comment of just like, you don't want people to get the wrong idea. And it's like, get out of here, Uncle Daddy. And, and Mrs. Thornton got taken away. Well, and before we talk about something else oh, that comes man. back we'll, from season one. Oh, we'll one. talk about that. Oh, we'll talk <laughs> about that. Let's put a pin there. I just okay. want to, just to make sure that I'm being somewhat accurate here about the uh, Comic Magazine Association of America, which was formed in 1954 in response to widespread public concern over um, violence and horror imagery in comic books. So basically this was like the Hayes Code stuff, right? With um, censoring the the comics. So the CCA is adopted and then the Archie series kind of gets gets uh, I'm going to read this quote. In his introduction to the Archie Americana series, writing about the comics code, uh, this comic book editor wrote, my first assignment as a new art assistant was to remove cleavage and low-cut blouses on Katie Keene. Whoa! Um, and so there was this kind of like re... Um, this like kind of cleaning up of the of the available comics and of Archie and, and the Archie universe was you know part of that so this is uh, and, and it, it, it it there's this is a fascinating i'm going to spend more time reading about this but so that's that's to to bring up the thing that i had mentioned before that's insane yeah don't take my cleavage super super, super fast i mean it's just i continue to be blown away by how deep Riverdale is because it's so dumb but also there's like 20 layers of and we've been talking about all the different literary references but like the fact that this entire show the entire premise of the show is a reference to this Hayes Code censorship stuff happening in the mid 50s and its relationship to the Archie universe that that's been going on that it's been referencing that in a way this whole time and is now bringing that explicitly by doing this what we thought was a kind of ham-fisted awkward time travel back to the 1950s and it actually seems like in retrospect this is kind of the only way that Riverdale could have ended you know yes to have it go back to its to its roots it's almost like we knew from the beginning that um this was deep we knew Riverdale yeah, was that's deep. Why that's we why did. we that's watched why we all spent of this. so much time. That's why we spent all these hours and hours and hours watching it. Um, because we knew that this was going to happen. Although, if this didn't happen, what if it was like a continuation? What if the season was a continuation of Percival and we just wanted to die? Oh my god! Like that would have just that would have been the worst, the worst possible way to end it. But anyway, if you are a person who knows more about this particular time period in history with the Hayes Code and comic book stuff, please let us know because my mind is blown. I'm learning about this on the fly, but it's really, really fun and interesting. But. What happened to Archie's teacher, you say? Oh, the old lady who was fostering in him a love of poetry in a Mrs. totally Thornton. not inappropriate way. Miss Thornton is just having him stay after school. They're talking about poetry. Archie's getting a big sense of meaning from being a creative writer. Great. And who shall come to replace Mrs. Thornton but Mrs. Grundy. Grundy herself. Do you remember? Okay, if the name sparks memory, mm -hmm. just go back to the first season when there was a questionable, very, very questionable relationship between Archie and Mrs. Grundy. <laughs> and then I don't know why I will always remember the fact that she played the, except I can't, I'll never remember the name of the, the instrument. She played some sort of <laughs> cello. She, was it a cello? It was a cello, I think. Cello. Jackie, um, she played a cello, and that <laughs> Hal 
the Black Hood, killed her with her own bow. And I don't know why I specifically remember that. I forgot about that. I just remember that they found her killed with her own bow, even though they didn't show it on the show. I don't know why I remember that. And it's funny because as much as I we really put season one of Riverdale up on a pedestal here, we talk all the time about how it was so fantastic. I do remember, and I had forgotten until I saw Miss Grundy in this episode, I do remember watching season one and being viscerally uncomfortable with the way that they were dealing with the teacher-student yes. sexual relationship because it was 100% presented as like sexy and not abusive and then they kind of I think tried to fix that yes. in season two by being like ah oh, it was immoral have the black hood kill her so like okay but definitely at first it was just Riverdale being like what if a teacher was having hot sex with AJ Appa <laughs> and it's like not okay <laughs> not okay Riverdale but surely they must know now that that's not okay and anyway she's back so what fucked up shit is gonna happen because she was making eyes at Archie. Wow. But then the second she was like, my husband is a poet. So you can read. And then I was like, that husband ain't going to get in the way of you now teaching. Are you going to, is this going to be like, are we going to get uncomfortable again? I mean, it's a choice. Why are you bringing Miss Grundy back if you're not going to have her fuck Archie again? Or at least try. And be like the poetry, like speaking like like a maestro I'm, I think I'm just thinking of Videl Mastro right now but, um, <laughs> but especially like being the guidance of poetry for Archie but the whole thing of this episode is to be like poetry's not bad like poetry's not like a dangerous slippery slope so for them to then be like but what if a sexy teacher teaches <laughs> you poetry is like that's no 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 don't do no, that I know I shouldn't be excited but like just the fact of just like the idea of sexy adults back in the show I'm just like yeah and it's just it's just so funny that it's like self-aware Riverdale we're just in we're fully in the world of self-aware Riverdale now where maybe they've been it. self-aware the whole time and we just weren't quite sure but definitely season seven is like you know what we'll do we'll bring back the extremely inappropriate teacher who fucked Archie like let's do it it's it's season seven let's go out with a bang and so it's I know Riverdale they're gonna do drug-ed. something fucked up and it might be good and it might be bad but I like I don't even care I'm along for the ride they could do whatever it. they want at this point and I will enjoy it well also at one point um, when talking about Omiha um, Cheryl says I mean it was really good in the first season but then it really went downhill I also felt that that was a meta like making fun of the reviews of Riverdale uh, uh, yeah. I, I, but again maybe I'm looking too far into the metaverse no that's Riverdale pretty now. That, that tracks so explicitly that it must be. I can't believe both of those references went right over my head. I think I was too busy just emotionally recovering from the fact that Hermione was back. Oh, but. and just looking so... And also, when they replace, up top, they replace Mrs. Thornton when she gets taken out with Penelope Blossom. And can I just say, Penelope Blossom just looking like fire personified. I was just, she walked in the room and was like... Damn, bitch. Yes. She looked great. But also her and Clifford Blossom are always wearing red. And wearing they, red. Why aren't they? Why does no one think they're commies? That's the thing. They come in. They're both dressed head to toe in like scarlet. And they're like, the red menace has come for Riverdale. And yes. like, why are you guys so dressed in red? Is that a choice? This is the theme of Riverdale. <laughs> And especially if Riverdale Roundup is, was that a choice or an accident? You That's know, like I just want to know. It's got to be a choice of like, choice. but like you're the really the evil ones, not communists. You're the red menace. Yeah, right. like they're, you're they're the bad the red ones. Menace. Yeah, it's even gotta though they're be not that. communists. Got to be that. Yeah, 
I do want more pro communism. I did complain about this a few episodes ago when they were like, Ray Bradbury or Brad Rayberry was a communist. And they're like, no, he wasn't. He just went to a few meetings out of curiosity. And I wanted them to be like, communism is good. It was good in the 1950s. And the panic about communism wasn't just bad because it was a fake panic, but also because it was bad to be to hate the communists' ideas in the 1950s. And this episode didn't really touch on like communism itself other than just being a specter, you know, that comes from revolutionary Cuba and is coming for for you in your books and in your poems and in your comics. But yes, they are the red menace. Like Penelope literally is dressed head to toe in red. And I'm glad that she's not a teacher for long because I can't imagine them under the guidance of her, under her direction of having to do dramatic monologues from different plays. Because at one point, um, uh, uh, under the guise of Miha, I'm just coming to like hang out with you and meet your friends. We're talking about Hiram Lodge because Veronica brings in Hiram to the school to be like, daddy, these are my friends. As if he really gives a shit about meeting a bunch of teenagers. And of course they're all like, starstruck and can i just say kevin wants to fuck the shit out of hiram lodge yeah and that was very funny interaction of him just being like oh hey hello and <laughs> uh uh yes but also you have to remember they've all been watching omiha for seven years right, a- a- right. according to this lore right this is so, like desi arnaz walking into a high school yes. at the height of i love lucy and everybody being like oh shit which i can't believe i didn't even immediately draw the line that when i saw that hiram lodge was going to be on here that it was going to be linked to communism because of the Desi Arnaz. Like they're already like setting it up. Right. Like they are Lucy and Ricky. Right. And of course they're good. Cause like, wasn't there a big, there was, I'm sure there was a big issue with Desi Arnaz. I was just wondering, I was 50s. just thinking like, oh my God, now I've got to spend the afternoon researching Desi Arnaz because I don't, I mean, I remember learning about um, obviously the McCarthyism and the Red Scare stuff, but like, I don't really know in terms of the specifics of what, actors and writers really got the worst of it but let's look up desi arnaz and um the uh the mccarthy stuff oh no i have to i we can't go down we can't go down that road (laughs) um because this i i just immediately started reading i was immediately fascinated because this article opens up the only thing read about lucy is her hair and even that is not legitimate desi arnaz responding to a report that his wife lucille ball was a communist and i immediately want to read this whole insane article about this but we can't yeah we can't we can't discussion for next apparently he was quite conservative he was a lifelong republican huge Nixon supporter. Um, so I don't know whether any of the Hayes Code stuff um, impacted them, but uh, apparently it impacted Lucille, Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, interesting. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now I just want to learn about the 1950s. Oh, Riverdale, you're inspiring us. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, so Hiram comes in. And he becomes the director for the day in Penelope Blossom's class. Right. And of course, Julian is up to bat for his dramatic monologue. Right. And can I just read? I've got a great now. I'm going to start peppering in some um, theories here because we've got some great Cheryl theories. We haven't even discussed Cheryl yet. All right. Let's discuss Cheryl a little bit before we get into these theories. Yeah. Because last week we were lamenting losing HBIC version of Cheryl, right? And in this episode, Cheryl is given an ultimatum because someone told on Cheryl, remember when she kissed Tony at the Halloween show? And then last week, oh, not Edgar. What's her name? Ever, ever, never. Uh, Evelyn. Evelyn, ever, never. I was like, oh, I know it begins with an <laughs> E. Come on, Jackie. Come on, brain. Evelyn, ever, never saw them kiss at Pops. So she gave her name in as a per- suspectable person with questionable morals. And of course, who finds out but Clifford Blossom. Uh-huh. So Clifford Blossom goes to her and is like, you were on this list and now I need you to look at this list of other teenagers and tell me, do they have questionable morals as well? Yes. And of course, who's on the list? Who's on the list? Not that list. <laughs> it's Tony. It's Kevin. Right. It's Clay. Right. They're naming, yeah. And they keep saying name names, which again is a reference to McCarthy. Um, and But in this case, it's not name communists. It's name the gays um and so they're like all i have is my <laughs> name he did a great job with the model he did great. i'm telling you he did great he did a great job with the model he did great and honestly i wish when i had learned about the crucible that i had learned about it in the context of more recent relevant moral panics because this episode of riverdale does a great if i was teaching high school english and had to teach the crucible right now i would probably show this episode of riverdale because it does a great job of being like this is what a moral panic looks like whereas when i read the crucible i read it devoid of context and i was like i don't yeah okay witch hunt but like i don't really this is like from the 1600s like what do i care but this episode is like the crucible 
is like the parable of what happens when everybody gets all swept up in a moral panic. And here now it's happening with communism. Um, and so that's why Archie, it, it's why it's why it's so satisfying to have Archie do the monologue. Um, See, but- I was so the opposite. I was so like, I was such a pathetic, like, I loved the crucible. Really? I thought like, I just thought it was so poignant. I thought it was just so, like at the, like being a 15, 16 year old, it was yeah. just like, this is what happens. Like, I really, <laughs> we got really into the crucible. <laughs> so um, pathetically in the opposite direction. But you're right though. And I think it's also why I love it. And like when the second that I saw that the, the episode was called The Crucible and they were doing dramatic readings. It was like, please let somebody do the John Proctor monologue. I mean, we all know the monologue. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do we all know the monologue? I guess if you've studied The Crucible and or you're a theater person, theater, you right. know the monologue. Right. But so they're like, so so um, Clifford Blossom is like, Cheryl, you know, tell us who's gay, basically. And, and she's like, I will never name names. And they're like, you don't have to. We already have the names. We have the list. We just need you to confirm the list. And she's like, no. And then they're like, what is our leverage? We'll take away the vixens from you. And I'm sorry, Cheryl. Fucking give away the vixens. Who gives a fuck? Why did you think about that for a second? She's like, "Uh, not my vixens. And then proceeds to go tell her three fellow queers about this. And God bless them. They're like, okay, well, we'll pretend to be straight so that you can keep the vixens. Keep the vixens? The stakes are simply not high enough in this. Like, I'm like, what the vixens? Like, Cheryl has has integrity. Cheryl, even in this season, Cheryl has proven herself to be like an active anti-racist and to be like trying really hard to like embrace her queerness and so for her to be like they can't take the vixens from me girl give them up but so instead they're like all right let's pretend to be straight we'll do it for you cheryl and so cheryl and kevin pretend to be a couple and clay and tt pretend to be a couple and they have a great scene where they're walking in slow motion down the hall smooching and kissing and why must i be a teenager in love i was so happy that i was like this is great it's great i love this episode absolutely great and uh and then like five minutes later they're like ah it turns out that we're still um under scrutiny for being queer so why don't we just give up the vixens and stand by our principles and not name names um and that's what they do so they did a little protest and they did a little trying to and then there was some very like um parable what word am i looking for very moralistic lines of like when you have to hide who you are are you even really alive or whatever like a lot of like you can't hide who you are which is you know it's good yes how may i live without my name mj (laughs) so they pretend to be straight for like literally five minutes and then they're like no this is not gonna work for us let's go back to being out um or at least you know as out as we can be in 1955 right and i am surprised especially after last episode when clifford blossom was so aggro towards Cheryl like physically I'm surprised that the vixens were the only thing that was going to be taken like I'm surprised that was the only thing on the line I thought they were going to send her the sisters of quiet mercy I know that's what I thought that's the threat in River when you live in Riverdale you're always just one bad move away from a parent sending you to the sisters of quiet mercy and I would understand pretending to be or trying to pretend to be straight just so I don't have to go to the sisters of quiet mercy totally I, I get that I actually thought that them deciding to pretend to be straight was a very powerful choice. And that again, talk about like parallels to right now, 
like it actually is really upsetting to think like okay what would you do if you were suddenly if you suddenly found yourself in a time where it, you just could not be who you were without ramifications that were so awful that it would be safer and better to lie about it and to hide who you are. And I actually thought that them being like, all right, let's pretend to be straight, even though this, it just felt stupid because the stakes were the vixens. But right. I I actually felt like it was very powerful for them to be like, sometimes you just can't be out. like, And that's fine. Like, It doesn't make you less queer to be like, we're, we need to put ourselves back in the closet for this time to keep ourselves safe. Like I actually was kind of moved by the whole conversation that the four of them had. It just also was very dumb because it was about protecting Cheryl's relationship as the leader of the cheerleaders. But, um, and then it was nice that they then decided like, let's just be who we are regardless of the consequences. But yeah, Clifford has massive power over Cheryl. All of these kids are, Children in 1955, they have zero rights, you know? Especially then. I mean, it's just, it's so, in thinking about the actual, like, you know, how many people actually went through this, too, is just so devastating. And, like, it does bring up all that of just, like, how many rights they that young people and just people in general didn't have in 1955, even though we're watching it be stripped from us! As we speak. <laughs> I know. And now I'm looking at this article about Lucille Ball. And the whole thing was that she had registered as a communist back in 1936, 20 years early, 20 years before, you know, almost 20 years before the House on American Activities Committee started. And so she had registered as, as a communist back then. And it was used against her, you know, almost two decades later in her career, even though she said it was like not really a big thing then. I did it because my grandfather was a socialist. And like, and so it is like... Again, when you think about the present day, it's pretty fucking scary and relevant to be like something that you something that was I mean, there was a lot of communist panic in the 1930s, too. So it's not like it was ever like fine to be a, a communist. But the idea of kind of like making a choice that then because the political climate shifts a decade or two later and suddenly your life, your career, your public safety, whatever is fucked, you know, like like what happened, what they tried, you know, trying to destroy Lucille Ball because she had registered as a communist almost 20 years earlier. And that I also think is really scary because what's happening right now in the present day is we just experienced a brief little window of expanded rights for queer people. And now that window was slamming shut and those rights are being taken away. So everybody who felt like, oh, it's safe to come out or I'm seeing other people coming out and I'm realizing something about myself in this time is now like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Now they're trying to make it so what I just realized about myself is no longer something I can actually embrace. And so that's why I thought it was so powerful for them to just be like, yeah, we can't, we, we can't be out right now. We cannot, we have to hide, you know, because <sighs> that, that fucking happens, you know? Yeah. Now I do want to talk about some Cheryl theories. First of all, I want to give a Quick shout out to Haley, because I don't remember this at all, and I love this being brought back. This is about Clifford's wigs. My first thing is more just observations last reminder about Clifford Blossom and his terrible, terrible wigs. Back in season one, when Polly is pregnant with JJ's babies, she goes to stay with and spy on the Blossoms. While she's there, she stumbles on a room 
full of wigs and has a scary confrontation with Clifford about snooping. But in true Riverdale fashion, I don't know if they ever really explain why he has a room full of so many red wigs. Whoa, that is not something that I could have ever remembered. Wow. Never. I never would remember that. So I just want to say, Haley, thank you so much. And also, I love this Cheryl theory. Just a theory about Cheryl and her lack of bombshell confidence that we know and love. Obviously, there's many reasons. The homophobia, her dad. But what if Julian is also a part of the problem? She had a good, loving relationship with Jason. And with Julian, not so much. Maybe having a brother so crude and terrible has made Cheryl a shell of her true bad bitch self. Mm. I hope we get a little bit of the HBIC Cheryl back soon. Just a dumb theory, but thought it would be fun to share. Thank you, Haley. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, I want to add on to your theory, Haley. And I'm not adding on to it. Michaela is adding on to your theory because this is, it takes, it just turns it up because it also, their theory also has to do with Cheryl and Julian. Okay. We all miss the badass, confident bitch that carried seasons of the show Cheryl. And I have a theory about why Cheryl is so much more meek in this season. Does anyone else remember when Nana Rose told Cheryl she had absorbed Julian in the womb back Uh in season four? Uh Cheryl takes a test, finds out she did not, but maybe the test was wrong or sabotaged. Hear me out. Is it possible that in this universe with Julian instead of JJ, Cheryl had actually absorbed JJ in the womb instead? Maybe Cheryl was a badass bitch before because she had absorbed some of Julian's evil triplet energy in previous seasons, but in this season, she absorbed JJ instead, making her a more meek and quiet character. Yeah, it's far out. I'm not sure it makes any sense, but it would explain why Cheryl isn't the same this season. Hey, it's Riverdale. There are no rules. We love you too, Michaela. I just want to say love this back-to-back. Thank you Haley, thank you, Michaela, for your Cheryl theories. Um, love them both. The amount of faith that people have, and like, I just love the amount of faith that it takes to be like, maybe this extremely weird thing from season four is now being realized in season seven. I hope so, man. I truly hope so. That is so funny. I do also love just um, Zinn, who wrote in a couple weeks ago, also just said, also, did y'all think it was weird the way the show put the River Vixens on the same level of loss as Tony, Clay, and Kevin? Like, couldn't Cheryl have also just been worried about what happened if she didn't give the names and she was outed? Which, uh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, totally. Totally. Using the Vixens as the stakes was a. We've barely even seen the Vixens all season. Like, who gives a fuck? But I also get that you're in high school and things and it's are. It's your everything. It's your everything, you know. So that is somewhat real but not when not when mccarthyism has come from your high school and you're just trying to survive and not when they're coming for all the comic books so like you had briefly said earlier all the newsstands and everyone was now starting to be banned from selling pep comics because pep comics is un-american right and that's also the buzzword for this episode it's un-american which was also the buzzword of 1955 so <laughs> they're really bringing oh it's un-american to do these things and so, but remember that Ethel and Jughead had just written, this was Ethel's first ever done comic. Right. And she wanted to go buy it from a newsstand. Right. So they find out that it's un-American. They, fi- they go to the manager over at the Pep Comics and they're like, what are we going to do? And he's like, I don't know. They, the newsstands keep send- sending the papes back to me. I don't know what we're going to do. it. We're just going to weather the storm. And, of course, we talked about this This is real life of what 
happened with other comics outside of Archie Comics, apparently. And so what do Ethel and Jughead do? But they take a bunch of the stacks of the comics that aren't allowed to be sold and they create an underground shop through Pops, which poor Pop, he doesn't want any trouble <laughs> in his sh- in his store. Why do they have to do it at Pops? And so they start selling illegal comic books to other yes. students and they have this whole rigmarole set up. And again, I just like all I could feel from Ethel and I know that I should drop it and I think I'm just saying this as always the plus size best friend that was in love with her best friend that never wanted to ha- and the best friend never wanted to have sex with me. Yeah. That all I could feel is like Ethel's heart grew four sizes that day every time they hang out and like just like the look on her I face know. of how happy she is that Jughead is working with her and that they're in this together. I and know. I'm just like, girl, and he's still not going to kiss you. I know. I know. I know, poor Ethel, they really are hitting hard her love for Jughead. I also spent some time this episode just looking at them and being like, I wonder, because they do seem to have good chemistry as actors, Mm -hmm. but also like Cole Sprouse appears to be like a, you know, at least a dick in terms of his public persona and his as a boyfriend. But I did have a moment in this episode where I was like, I kind of want to stand them in real life. Like, I just want them. I just, I'm like really standing them. I want it. They're spending so much time together and it's really nice. And like, of course, platonic friends are also nice. And I love, I always like want more like different gender platonic friends to be portrayed on TV shows. And so we can, we can appreciate it for that. But I do wish that Ethel could get some. Dilton Doily got, he didn't get any action, but at least we found out he has a big dick. Let's do something sexy for Ethel. I'm also really happy that it wasn't Dilton Doily because what ends up happening with their underground sales of comics is that at some point, of course, somebody blabs. And so they set up like a sting operation. So they sold some papes to, it seemed like a Boy Scout of some sort. Uh And it made me think of, I was like, I wonder if he's one of the uh, orphan Boy Scouts that live in the woods. Remember that storyline? Yes, I do remember the orphans of Riverdale. I sure do. Evil orphans, (laughs) evil orphans that live in the woods. Now, I wonder if he was a part of that, and maybe that's why he sold out Jughead and Ethel. But of course, who walks in but Dr. Werther's and Principal Featherhead and Sheriff Keller, and they are the heads of stopping all... Man, how unsexy can they make such a sexy Sheriff Keller? I know. He's so hot, but he's so not hot in this season, it's insane. I know. They, it's like they've done something to him on purpose to make him seem so much more like a scary 1950s dad. He's really scary, like in a realistic and effective way I know. i'm scared of sheriff keller yes and so am i but he's just so attractive yeah he is hot he and i still think he's hot in this season i do but he's like he has he just keeps reminding me of chris cooper in american beauty he just has that like really bad man from the 1950s thing well especially ever since that scene when he finds out that Kevin is gay and that scene when he's just like sitting in the dark drinking whiskey yeah. and he comes home. Like it really upset me. It, yeah. It's really, he's really, that, that actor is like, it's finally time for me to show my range on Riverdale, you know? I mean, and he's showing it. He's definitely doing an effective job. Absolutely. Now, speaking of Dr. Werther's, I've got quite a theory for you. 
JR writes in and says, I have a theory why they named the creepy school therapist Dr. Werther's. Remember way back when, when Betty was trying to figure out her serial killer genes and did had a, like a memory regression. And in the scene, Belly kills her cat with a rock. Betty thinks that she that means she's going to be dark Betty, but as a murderer, not as a sex thing. It's later revealed that it was actually her father, Hal Cooper, coercing Betty to kill the cat. The cat's name? Carmel. Remember, <laughs> I, remember. I remember she said Carmel. <laughs> you did not like the way that Lily Reinhardt said Carmel. Carmel. You know what's a <laughs> brand that makes caramels? Werther's. Uh-huh. I theorize that Dr. Werther's name is a callback to Betty's trauma around poor Carmel. <laughs> not only is it a callback, I think it might be foreshadowing about how Dr. Werther's is going to use his position of power to traumatize Betty and maybe activate her serial killer genes. Um, thank you, JR. I okay. think it is quite a stretch, and I <laughs> love the stretch. It's just, but you know, that's the thing. You know that m- even the names, as dumb as they are, usually are a symbol. Could be something. So why Dr. Werther's? Is it just because it's funny name or is there some sort of symbolism going on? I love the stretches that are happening today. Thank you. And thank you for theories. sending the stretches. <laughs> we love them. Very good. We absolutely Absolutely killing it. So, uh, so uh, essentially what happens with Jughead and Ethel is they stop selling the comics, but they were really proud of themselves and then they have like a cute moment in the end. I think that's what it is. They're like... They're setting us up to stand them. It's not our fault. Yes. They just have these great moments together. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, they are they are the dream they are the team that Betty and Jughead once were. I know. Right? Because it used to be Betty and Jughead doing the blue and gold, and that was kind of what brought them together. And now Ethel and Jughead are that team. And I'm glad that we're getting more Ethel. Um and I do really like their friendship and their relationship. I just want them, I want Ethel to not be sad anymore. I know. I to be thriving. And I'm so glad she's not the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, but something tells me that we haven't heard the last of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy because if there's, if there are some girls that are begging to be sent there, it is Cheryl, it is Betty, it is Veronica. That's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm yeah. scared of. I'm scared of all of them just getting it. And it is possible that we might get that plot line that they all get sent and then they all break out yes which i'm here for another jailbreak i'm here for it yes honestly if all three of them get sent together that's kind of a best case scenario yeah i mean we are i I, do we know how many episodes there are in the season i think this was was this (laughs) 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 it is so hard to be like flying blind you know that thing when you're like watching a streaming show and you just haven't looked at the whole netflix is good because it'll be like we'll show you how many episodes are left a lot of the other apps you don't even know where you are i'm trying to finish freaking perry mason right now and i'm like i don't know how many episodes are left it just doesn't show me right away and i don't have time to look because i need to use that time to get through the episode of perry mason that takes so long to get through and so i don't know and when you don't know you just you don't even it is a real power of the slog situation and you don't know how close you are this season of riverdale not a power of the slog but it's so hard to know to not know how much left could happen are we only halfway through because i think we're at about episode 10 are there about to be 12 more episodes because so much could happen but we're used to a streaming arc so at this point it seems like we should be hitting the climax but i don't think we are i think we got a lot left it does seem i like again i don't watch the teasers for the next one but i do follow roberta gary sacasa on instagram and it does seem that the next episode might be the 
musical episode though so i yes! hope you can be excited for that i do want to say real quick too um i did notice i saw your little uh i saw you riverdale i saw what you were doing because at one point veronica because well i don't even think we ended up saying what happened with um Veronica and Hiram right. because essentially Hiram asked Veronica to sign an affidavit saying I wasn't hanging out with Videl Mastro <laughs> in Cuba I was actually with my daughter buying Cuban cigars right so but then there's all these pictures that F X FBI current FBI I don't know maybe Glenn is just still Glenn but <laughs> Whatever that agent was that was following Hiram essentially has these pictures of him and Videl Mastro, but he also was with a woman in these pictures that obviously he was there with. And so Veronica's like, what's her name, daddy? Honey? And he goes, no, it's Kelly, which is also the name of his wife in real life. <gasps> and also played his mistress in the past. On Riverdale? Yeah, remember that one episode that she was his mistress? And then she, I just remember she had like a gun in her little purse. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that. I'm sorry that I don't remember Kelly Ripa being on Riverdale. I believe oh, you. Oh yeah, one episode. One episode special. <laughs> oh, that would be so much fun. So does that mean we're going to get more Hiram? Oh, God willing. But we now know, oh, oh poor Miha. She found out that mommy and daddy are getting divorced and Omiha is ending after seven seasons. <sighs> so we'll find out what happens to Veronica. But she did. She did end up signing the affidavit saying, all right, daddy, I will say that I was with you in Cuba, but you're going to give me the Pembroke. And he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And now she's got a home no matter what, which good for her. Yeah. Can you imagine being that like? Usually, I know that she's a she-wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> but there are sometimes when her, um, you know, business career goals, I'm just like, wow, that's a lot. But this was one of the first times that I was just like, good on ya. Hell yeah. Get that house. Good on her as for Veronica as a character and also great way to just be like, okay, if she doesn't have any parents for the rest of the season, it's fine because she has a house. Because she has a house. Really she's got nowhere to, to She's got somewhere to stay. Yeah, that kind of, that piece of the conflict is now resolved. Shit, I forgot. What? Archie and Veronica kissed. Archie and Veronica kissed. Yeah, how about that? That was such how a did weird, feel about that? out of nowhere moment. Sorry, I was just about to end the episode and I can't not bring up the fact that they were just like in like in the hallway and he's just standing there and then she's just like talking to Archie Kins and then she kisses him on the cheek and then they look at each other and then they kiss and I was just like in the middle of the school day I couldn't even imagine having a kiss in the middle of the school day especially a first kiss I know I know that was exciting it did feel like completely out of nowhere it felt like it felt like self-aware Riverdale just being like, we remember that e these two used to be Endgame. There has been no establishment of their relationship this season, aside from Veronica being like, ooh, I like him. But like, Archie hasn't even given Veronica the time of day. He's been too busy with Betty, you know? Yeah. So it did feel a bit out of nowhere, but of course we're here for it. We want more kissing. There wasn't that much kissing in this episode, and it was a surprising and fun kiss. It just got me, like, got me all horny out of nowhere. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, not that I want them to be together, because now I want Veronica. Oh, maybe we can get Veronica and Betty and Archie together. Yeah, I mean that's what th that's what we want. We want that's what we need a, at least a threesome between those ones. I really want a foursome. I'm sorry, I do want Jughead there. I know that it's I get it unpopular. Oh uh, no, I can't help it. Remember, remember the scene when they there. were all in the hot tub and we were just oh, I remember. Oh, I'll never forget. 
That's there's a there's a lot about Riverdale that I have forgotten yes. and that I will forget. Yes. There are some scenes like the four of them in a hot tub that I will not forget. Burned into my brain. And I I hope that this episode wasn't burned into your brain, except for the book burning at the end. Because <laughs> that made they Jackie cried. Oh my god, I cried about the book burning because they burned all the comics. Um, it was very upsetting. It is sad. It's very sad yeah. and it's very scary. And thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of Riverdale Roundup. Uh, I had a great time today and I'm glad and I hope that my secret of crying at Riverdale is safe with everyone that lives <laughs> here. I had a great time. If you are a person who can continue to shed like real historical knowledge on all of the truths and symbols and references and illusions being dropped in this season please let us know because i loved all this shit but i don't remember if the, I, I never really learned about 1950s history in school i don't remember a lot of it a lot of the literary references are going right mm-hmm. above my head and i'm really enjoying people pointing out i feel like i'm learning a i know lot. and isn't that a surprise i did not expect to be learning a lot about our country's history in season seven of riverdale and here we are and they're doing a great job they're doing a blast man they're doing a blast is what i say (laughs) thank you guys so much and i think that we have a musical episode next week so this is we're we're gonna be coming in hot next week so prepare yourselves yeah oh thank you so much mj thank you everybody and we'll be back next week Bye. bye This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.